This would be a good song to write some beer lyrics to. Here, mm. I think we could do it. So remember, we listeners, you remember we did the uh, CBR yes. sings the hits, and, and really that was that was pretty amazing for the amount of effort we put into Ooh, it. One of those is bad. Turn one of those is making yeah noise. You know, we kind of we kind of shut that out. And it was very much pretty funny. Well, that was the intent. I mean, it was always the intent to shit that out. It was not. But I, I've since, like, on two occasions, I've tried to write another one, and I just can't do we, it. We were in the moment. It was sort of an in the moment thing, right? We were like, because I came up with this idea, and we were like both at the time into it, mm-hmm. and it just it. We, we spent I, we I'm, spent an hour like working on it, but an hour, and we wrote like. Well, we wrote verses for, like, eight different songs, you know? Yes. And we try to be as dumb as possible. Like, that was... Mm-hmm. The point of it was was to be as... As close to, like, but dumb... Sure. As, as... Like, stout. Stout. This is a stout. Like, yes. we were really <laughs> yeah. focused on, on making Being, it... Yeah, just, just as... Simple. Yes, as simple and dumb as possible. Getting the joke across in the simplest way. But, you know, like... So when I've tried to do this since, I've had a hard time finding the song. And I just feel like Here I Go Again is a song... Yes, that we could. It, it, it's one of the songs that I think would would be recognizable enough that that people would get it. And the so, lyrics are, I, I already have like two or three, excuse me, ideas. So I really would love to do that again. We should work on that again. We tried working out remotely. I think we just got to be here, like bouncing yeah, ideas. We have yeah. to collaborate and bounce ideas. Yeah, and get ex- get each other excited. Well, we have to be. But I mean, remember, it took like an hour. I mean, this was, it was not like. It was not quick. It, it, it took an hour of us like going through and, and figuring out. But an out hour how... to put together a sketch is not bad. No, it's it really isn't bad. bad. But but it's also like unusual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a good sketch doesn't. I mean, then again, you look at all our our original like April Fools' jokes. And some were kind of funny, right? And and most good. of those were just like th- the day of. Like we have. Mm-hmm. In five minutes, we figure out something and just kind of yeah. go with it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think we could do some more song parodies. I think that'd be. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting paid back for the titles that I'm picking. You'll you'll get paid back even worse and worse if these continue <laughs> on this way. Just warning you. I'm gonna take the uh, the McKellar, which you hate. No. Nope. 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 Oh, did you see my tweet yesterday? Max drew Jupiter. No. So we were out last night when it got dark and Venus and Jupiter were out. And, you know, Jupiter's super close right now. So I pulled up the telescope, put it up. I saw the telescopes out there. So you have, you even have a, a, um... Heather got that one for like five bucks at Goodwill. Really? Yeah. So it's, uh, there's a Newtonian you have and there's a, uh, what's the other one called? Refractor. Refractor. Maybe it's something else, but no refractor. It's is, in. Is... It's an Orion refractor. She got for like five or six bucks. Mm-hmm. Comes with a little. It, that's kind of like the camping telescope, mm-hmm. right? Like take that. Um, you could can see um, Jupiter's moon. You know the Galilean moons with it. It's good enough for that. Uh, and and looking at the moon. So yeah, check out. Yeah. It's probably it has more. It has more chromatic aberration. If you want to be real technical, yeah. Than the, the um, no, Newtonian. Would, would I have paid retail for that telescope, which is like an eighty dollar telescope? No. Yeah. For six bucks. Oh, great deal. <laughs> but so we had the three and a half set up, 
and I was hanging, Max was like into it. And you know, anytime I can get Max, you know, interested in science is is awesome. So I, I'm like, you want to you want to draw what you're seeing? You know, so he's looking at the telescope and he's drawing. Mm-hmm. So first he drew the moon. Yep, there we go. And so, like up on the top right there, you see kind of a big it's mountain. A little titty. <laughs> what what we could see last night that was, that's the terminus, and there was ridges that were mm. illuminated, mm-hmm. and that, that's how he drew it. But you know, I'm just like talk about your details. Well, that's cool. I mean, that the, you get an idea into what well, he's he said. He saw lines between these two craters. Interesting. Like, you know, they're probably the the radial, you know. Things, but he saw lines between the craters, so he added the rate, the lines there. Hey, it's what he's seeing, man, and, and I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the next one. Next one's. Mm. Oh, he definitely. So he sees. He saw. Well, he drew some rays. Those the diagonal line is there were some rays that he saw through the eyepiece. And I didn't want to tell him not to draw those because mm-hmm. they're not there. But but uh, he put the four Ga- Galilean moons in order, and they were all laid out last night for everyone oh, to see. Beautiful. Look at that one on Io was I think I'm pretty sure Io was on the left because it was closest. He didn't get the spacing quite right, but Io was on the left, and then you have um, Europa, uh, Ganymede, and Callisto, or I guess it's Europa, Callisto, and Ganymede on the right. And um, oh man, every time I see that picture, that beautiful straight line of mm-hmm. those four moons. With my own eyes. Yeah, it's great. It, it gets me teary. Like, it's like... It's the most religious experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it's, yeah, we, it's... We had that together, yes. you know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. And seeing it for the first time was just transcendental. But even again, seeing it last night. But, you know, maybe last night because I was sharing it with my son. And Allie was... Allie was less interested in astronomy. I'm like, come on, Allie. You're, you're a maker. You like it tech. Well, she likes working with stuff that's in yeah. front of her, and this is stuff that's out there. Yeah, she was not very interested in looking through the telescope. I was, but Max was. Mm-hmm. Maybe Max was playing with my excitement. You know, like playing into my excitement. I don't know, but if he's mm, into probably it, not. Yeah, but like he took his time. He took a fair amount of time looking in the eyepiece, sketching, and. He did a good job. Yeah, I mean, that, that's something he doesn't Pleasing see. Him. I mean, that's something that, 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 you know, technically few people, very few people who've ever lived have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, it's, it is it is kind of remarkable. I mean, this is something that's 500, at least 500 million miles away. It and there it fun. is. And so he drew, the, like, he drew some banding on Jupiter. Yeah. You see that? Uh-huh. The three and a half inch, you really can't tell that you can see the banding. But it's funny because he's like, oh, it's blue and green. Mm. Interesting. Well, and, remember, the kid's eyes are sharper than yours, mm-hmm. right? And so he may be, he may have been able to at least find some distinct things in there. Right. But but he also called it blue and green. Where it's, but he also drew the lines across the same area where, where the moon. So, so those that's correct. It's not across... Oh. Right, I mean, it's not. He he drew this line here, mm-hmm. which is the orbit, I suppose. Uh, no, that those were some some rays. Okay, like, uh, what, what are they like? Lens flare. Type oh, lens, yeah, 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 yeah. So he was. I mean, because it, it's bright. Yes, so it is he, bright. Yeah. So that that horizontal line is mm-hmm. a, is a lens flare. Okay, okay, but he still saw differentiation on there mm-hmm. along the same axis that the moons are on, mm-hmm. which is correct. Okay. Right, the moons are on the elliptical axis yeah. of... I mean, I thought maybe I wanted to see some banding, but I couldn't be sure, right? But I didn't tell him Jupiter had bands. Hey, kids can see. Yeah, but no, that's the thing. Like, I wasn't going to tell Max that, oh, Jupiter has these horizontal bands that are red and brownish and on a white background. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted him to draw what he saw. So that's why I did... That's why I didn't tell him not to draw the lens flare. You know, that's what he saw. He saw he saw a ray. And and remember, shooting an- off. another thing to remember is the eyes are. Um, I mean, what, what goes on in terms of how he processes is, is based on how the eyes have learned to 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 understand everything that's that's around mm-hmm. us stuff and stuff before. So how how we view things. 
you know, and, and optical illusions play a role mm-hmm. in, in, in showing that it is is all, all these things that, that we've been able to ascertain and, and, and compute in our heads. He saw those. Mm-hmm. I think he really saw them. And, mm-hmm. and uh, whether suggestion or not, he saw some banding of some sort. Yeah, it was it was interesting. The color, like he thought they were, he thought like the top one was blue and the bottom one was green or something like that. And you know, I'm not going to tell him. No, he saw that. I mean, yeah. what he? Yeah, something. So, something made him perceive mm-hmm. that. But he what what he also saw is pretty close to what's really there. Yeah, there is a horizontal band. On the northern hemisphere and mm-hmm. one in the southern hemisphere. The southern one also has a great red spot, but you know. Did you he, see it? I mean, it was probably. I, like it could I, have been on on the other side of the planet. It, it could have been like I told you uh, when I looked through the telescope. I thought I could determine some banding because Jupiter is so close, but I also wanted mm-hmm. to see banding. Mm-hmm. Max didn't know there was the bands, and he drew them anyway. Reminds me of this. I was telling Shane about optical illusions. He was talking because he 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 had mentioned something about optical stuff, and I and I was showing him this as like, wait a minute, you don't you, you don't really perceive everything that you think you perceive, uh, which I, he knew, but on on the level of what he was talking about, it wasn't. I think he wasn't making this distinction, and this is. Uh, uh, this is a spiral where you you seem to see a green spiral and a sort of cyan spiral, but those are the same color. What? Yeah. They don't even look even close to the same color. They look very different. But you look at what's going on with this spiral and you see the blue lines are moving through here and the red and the yellow lines. There's also yellow and blue in here. Oh, okay. So on the green spiral, the black lines are turned green, and the white lines are turned either either white or yellow. And then on the blue spiral, the black lines stay black, and the white parts are blue. But it's yellow and blue. But yeah, but yeah. But that's right. But I mean, that's, that's still what my right. brain is telling me. But now I see the mechanical difference. Mm-hmm. Like. Are you like are are you able to see the same color if you know what to look for? Well, if, if, it... if you went in a graphics program and pulled right. out this color and pulled out this color, right. you'd see there. But you color. can't. You can't tell yourself like you can't. You, you see the very different colors still. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. yeah, I can't convince my eyes that these are the same color. You know, these look very different. But if I took out, you know, I took my color dropper and boop yeah. and boop, and they'd be the same shade. But it's what's surrounding. It's not just the that, color itself. It's what's surrounding the color that, that I mean, tells this was, your. This was your created to maximize your shock of like to maximize hack maximize the hack. Well, right? it's, yeah, it's, it's hacking the, yeah. the way your visual system works. But yeah. th- those colors are so different. They look very, very different, and yet they are the same color. That's that's stunning. I, I believe you 100%. It's just, I'm surprised the color is so different. It has to do with... with if the, it was only half as different, I'd be like, oh yeah, sure, I get it. It has to do with but, the information that's around it. The information that's around it controls the way that you, that, that you perceive color. Uh, Jeff is pulling it out, so he wants to get, get a closer wanna, look. Yeah, look up. He's literally putting it up to his face. I, mean, I can't even... That, that's crazy, because... I can almost... I mean, it's... Oh, this isn't a retina screen. So, no. like, you can almost see the pixels. And they still look Do different. you want me to send you the image so you can... No. No, I believe you. I, I know how these things work. Mm-hmm. Um, the one... You showed me another one where it was the raspberries. Yeah, or the yeah. tomato or something, right? The raspberries that, that look like they have, they're red, but, but they're But they not. were just grayscale. They're just grayscale, yeah. 
it's it's it, because color is all in our brains. Color mm-hmm. is is all based on information that is that is around it. Uh, and this is you know where the dress comes from and all that crap. It's color constancy. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 a known phenomena, and it's uh it's 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 really interesting stuff. And I find it it great, but it uh, it is also like it's a cautionary tale in the sense of what you perceive isn't really what's there, especially when it comes to things that that are not really parts of reality color is not a part of reality i mean wavelength of light is a part of reality Mm -hmm. but these are the same wavelength of light sure so color is not color is internal to how the brain processes yes color is it has baggage yes well, it's related to what's around it. it, it right. It, it doesn't. It, it isn't independent. Right. Of what's Your eye is not a, um, ma- a spectrometer. Right. It is a relation engine. Mm-hmm. At because least, at least because it it's quick to process that uh, in terms of your brain. Uh, it's it ha- it contains information in most cases, but this is a hack. This is hacking the way your brain does that. Is the spiral important to this hack? Uh probably. It pro- I mean, otherwise it it seems like it wouldn't. You know, why why would it be necessary? But I've seen things that are you know not necessarily like you could probably do do no. Do what mind. would be cool? No, that wouldn't work. Um. Or maybe it's just to to accentuate because because here they get closer and closer and closer, and yet you still see the. But I'm not paying attention to the middle part at all. I'm only paying attention to like the first, 180 degrees of each spiral. Right. <sighs> yeah, that, that's weird. Um, speaking of that, oh, I lost it. I had something else I wanted to mention about perception. But now I don't know what it is. I mean, you can sort of see what's going on here, especially if, if you look close and, and you you see what's happening. That the the green color is coming where the blue is going underneath, and so it's surrounded by this yellow. Mm-hmm. And then there's blue on on the sides, and here the the cayenne color is coming where the yellow goes underneath, and there's blue on the sides. Mm-hmm. So that's where that like jarringness comes from. Well, I, I yeah, I kind of picked up that the mechanics were that the the blue is under the black, and the green is over the black, and the the white yellowish thing is kind of interwoven it's under the blue and over the green but you gotta you gotta keep in mind it's not over it's replacing it which is the more but important the, factor right but what i'm saying is from from the look of it from, the way your brain interprets it is under but the way right. the way it's actually put on the screen and and you can take a close look what at i'm it, assuming it's replacing the color sure. what i'm assuming is the black here is the same as the black there or Maybe it's close. It's the same and, thing. Yeah. Okay. No, the, and then the, the yellow here is the same as the yellow there. So the the, yes, the blue the, replaces the, the yellow and the green replaces the black. Now I'd be curious I'd be curious whether this yellow where it's yellow black, yellow black, and yellow green, yellow green, whether the yellows are the same or not. I believe they are. But yeah, it'd be interesting to check, yeah. And then it also, same thing, where it's yellow, black, yellow, black, and blue, black, blue, black, whether the blacks are the same. I think the, the blacks are, in this case, to me, a dark blue is the same. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, definitely those dark blues are the same. It's the same color. You I wouldn't say definitely. Blue. I mean, because oh, oh, you can't say definitely the well, blue and the green are the same. I'm not trusting anything until I'm I drop at, 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 at the way this extends through, mm-hmm. and yeah, the colors seem to be the same to me. Yeah, I mean, I get how the opposite colors replace for one spiral versus mm-hmm. the other spiral. I'm curious if the non-replaced color is also adjusted, um, but it's just curiosity. It, I'm not saying the hack isn't worthwhile. Yeah. The hack is definitely worthwhile. Allie had a very 
interesting yeah. week. Well, I, I had to. I have to uh, okay. use the the bathroom. All right. Maybe I'll start talking. I'll okay. provide some background because you probably know some of this background. Uh, Allie had Allie, you know, Allie makes doing the maker thing. She had a pretty good week last weekend. Her school, the high school, has a, a women's STEM engineering team. They call them Sweet. It's a Seneca Valley Women's Engineering Exploration Team. A little bit forced on the acronym, but it is what it is. They had a, a Maker Fair, and Allie gets motivated to make new things for Maker Fair. So she had an idea where she wanted to make some real controlled robots, battle bots, she calls them. They don't have flamethrowers or saw blades or anything like that. But the goal is to flip over your opponent. Um, we actually named, she, her idea was to name them after the Rock'em Sock'em robots. So one is the Blue Bomber and the other one's the Red Rocker. And um, it was a good project. It's very play. It's pretty playable. Um, people like it. But so we exhibited that at the Maker Fair on Saturday. But then on Tuesday, she got out of school. I want Greg to hear some of this. So I'm moving a little too fast. So a little more detail about other things. Um, Thinking, thinking, thinking. Her her battle bots kind of. Um, I had her, you know, do much of the work. So she designed the three D printed chassis for the robot. Okay, Greg's back, so I don't have to bore you with things that. So um, I only had two things this past week, and then she has a thing Monday morning. Uh, well, I saw the the. I didn't watch the video yet, but I saw the stuff that she, you know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. So Saturday, she had a Seneca Valley School District Maker Fair, a little mini Maker Fair thing, and that's uh, where she exhibited her battle bots. You saw some of those guys before they were finished. Mm -hmm. um, it all came together. Uh, we made some adjustments. It was pretty playable. You could probably work on the the balance of the robots like when you're trying to flip over another robot you're pretty likely to flip yourself up on mm -hmm. your own axis type thing you don't flip yourself the whole way over but the you know we probably could do some um just put pennies underneath give it a little weight well that's it we could kind of redesign the center of gravity to make it a little bit easier to score uh -huh. where you're not like worried about like not having the right uh, center of gravity to mm -hmm. be able to make a flip, but I think that I think that's that would prove to be complicated, right? Because if you're making yourself more likely easier to flip your opponent, you're probably also making yourself harder to flip. Which if you're, but if as long as you do it the same way to both right? robots, if you're looking to win a competition like BattleBots, that that's good on both fronts. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to design a good, fun game for like a five-minute play mm -hmm. session, you need to you need to have it balanced, right? Where mm -hmm. it is you can flip, but you're also not too hard to flip, you know. And and we want both robots to be the same, so that gets to be a little bit complicated making the playability there. And we're more interested in playability than building a champion. Yes, absolutely. It's like rock and soccer robots. They're they're relatively easy to pop so, the head off, but that's the point. It's great that it's you playable. mentioned that. Guess what she named her robots? Rock'em Sock'em Robots? The Blue Bomber and the Red Rocker, which are the names of the robots on Rock'em Sock'em Oh, I see. Robots. Okay. Only a couple people picked that up, but on the controller, we use the, the vinyl cutter. We put in stickers, so like on the controller, it's like Blue Bomber, Red Rocker, and what. But, you know, she... She came up with that all on her own. Cool. Like, that's 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 a fun little yeah. cultural tie-in. Absolutely. Very meta. Yes. And um, no, it was it's you know like I told her before you know when she came up with the the power flower. Um, that was flower power. It is yeah. I, I always get it wrong. <laughs> the flower power. I think the other way is better, but 
it's her it's her call the flower of power you know i told her you know you might make a dozen more inventions and none of them we better to exhibit at a maker fair because it has to be engaging it has to be quick yeah. it has to turn over quickly uh this one's good this one's really we we came we did a bunch of play testing we got it actually calibrated it's really playable and um you know, maybe next week when she's, you can get here early enough that she's still up that she can show it to you. Uh, what time does she go to sleep? If you get here, so yeah, next week try to come like before eight fifteen, and okay. and then uh, we can she can show that to you. So is that like is that a, a bedtime that you enforce? Well, it's getting to be summertime, so it's going to creep back. Yeah, right. Um. We we do have a pretty good, pretty structured schedule. Um, actually, over the last two or three weeks, it's been creeping back. But well, I mean, usually, she's old enough now that it's like she can she can it, do it, more dictating of her own schedule. She, right? She's old enough that she probably doesn't need an eight o'clock bedtime. But because her brother, you know, it's easier just to put them both to bed at the same time. All right. So Allie did the Rock'em Sock'em Robots at the Maker Fair. It was pretty good. Hit pretty good. How old is she again? She's ten. Eight years. No, more than that. Fuck. Forgot about legalities. Uh, what? <laughs> just waiting for shit. How? When she gonna be on the show? Oh, we had to wait eleven years. <laughs> she doesn't have to drink. True. Um, okay, so then Tuesday. She was invited to be on this Meet the Maker panel. Uh, here in Pittsburgh, there is an organization, nonprofit called Remake Learning Days. And Remake Learning is this organization where they're kind of, well, they're really STEM heavy, but it's basically come up with like new ways to teach instead of the rote, boring stuff. And they're, they're pretty STEM heavy. So they have, you know, it's, it's, it's like Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week, but for teachers, right? That's what Remake Learning Days is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's events all over the place. They're all STEM education based. So they had um, on Tuesday they had Meet the Maker panel, which they had like ten. They were all female women makers. Allie was the only person who wasn't a teacher. Just in case, and I know most people who will be listening past this point know, so it's kind of silly for you to point this out, but STEM means science, technology, engineering, manufacturing. Math. Math. Really? Yes. yes. Why do you think manufacturing? I don't know. I don't know. It's an M word. And there's STEAM, where the A is art. Arts. Oh. No, I like STEM better. Yeah. Well, the arts are kind of important, I guess, in... No, they are. They're very important. They're 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 critical. Yeah, but they're STEM and STEAM. Um, but yeah. they're not related. I mean, they are related in some sense, but they're not. I think uh, they're saying you know, if you're open minded, you can take your, you are you know, you can artistically solve an engineering problem. You know things like that. So, yes, but you can't artistically solve a math problem. No. Well. You can figure out a new way to solve a math problem, but you can't solve a math problem in some abstract way. Like, math is... Sure. Or at least when you get into that level of math, it's concrete as opposed to... I'm not saying they're all the same thing. They're just grouping these disciplines together Mm. and... But if if you start to join... I mean, I feel like it it disrupts the, the flow. Yeah, but I agree. I'm not a huge fan of STEAM... Especially people who are like, like, I haven't met too many, but people who are militant for that A to be in there. Mm. You know, it's like, what do you, well, what do you mean by arts? Because if you mean like sewing and fabrics, well, that's, that's still engineering. And maybe... Just because it's soft doesn't mean it's not engineering. Right. Know? And maybe uh, because of... I, you know, when, when I, I thought manufacturing because oh. math is undergirding science... Technology, they're engineering. Kind of, so there's there's a bit of redundancy in there. Yes. So like next year, Allie in fifth grade, they have a a club like period, and like some of the clubs are um, drama and STEM, but they they have STEM and they also have technology. Mm. Like what's the difference between STEM and technology? Mm. I think technology is more like using computers. Oh. Um, 
But they have STEM technology and Legos. Like, are the three, like, tech clubs. Okay. Weird. <laughs> Legos. Um, well, maybe Mindstorms. Architecture. Ho- Mindstorms, hopefully, but I uh, don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, she was on this panel. And it was, it was, we were told in advance, you have ten minutes for your talk. For a ten-year-old, ten minutes is plenty of time. Mm-hmm. So we actually planned out a five-minute talk with five minutes for questions. The first presenter went for thirty-five minutes. What? At twenty-five minutes, they tried to rush her along, and she did six more slides. I mean, how old was she? She was a professor at Carlo. I think Carlo. Jesus. Maybe. Um, the second presenter probably went for 15 mm-hmm. minutes. So Ellie was the fourth presenter. But, so Remake Learning is starting to branch out nationwide. So there was a um, bus tour of people from, teachers, educators from all over the country. And, you know, they had a bunch of stuff to do that day. But I think they had like an hour and a half scheduled to meet the maker. So... Uh, I knew they were, I knew they were their time was ticking right they were mm. turning into Cinderella and the first person goes for so long and the second one's like 20 minutes I'm like oh my god they're gonna miss Allie I just thought it'd be such a cool thing for her to present in front of because it was mm-hmm. like 60 people yeah and uh, you know the third person finally finished and the organizer's like I know you have to go but just stay you need to hear this so Allie did her five minute talk um, it's it's not gonna win a Pulitzer or anything right. like that but you know did you ever talk in front of the like 60 people when you're 10 years sure. old Sure. at 10 years old you you presented oh at 10 years old yeah <laughs> i mean i did plays when i was like 11 or 12 yeah. so but no she did really good she basically did what we practiced you know and she had some jokes in there mm-hmm. it was funny because the, the way it ended was she she kind of picked up. She knows how to play to a crowd, mm-hmm. and she knew from some previous things that things that would go over really well is I want more girls making. I want to see girls change the world. Like she came up with that stuff yeah, herself, yeah, yeah. and you know it went over. And but it was funny the way she finished was I, I want to see what girls can do. I want them to change the world. Any questions? But she's, she kind of put it together a little quickly that it came across as, I know how to change the world. What do you need to know about it? <laughs> so the crowd kind of laughed at her. And she told me on the way home that like it kind of hurt her feelings. I thought they were laughing at her uh. instead of, you know, at the joke. You know, it explained to her, like, the joke, like, how it came across funny. And it wasn't her fault. Yeah. But, um, you know, she did pretty good. The video's not great. The sound's not very high. It just, you know, I... I I didn't want to stand like in front of everybody and record it. So I recorded it from off from the side. Well, especially, I mean, but, when you're a kid, you think that everything is like an insult. It's, it's much easier when you're an adult to be yeah. like, all right, I fucked up in this one area, but I got most of it right, so I'm really happy, right? I mean, it's like, it's so much easier to, to let go of things when you're an adult. Yeah, but she's like, oh, it hurt me when they laughed. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> they weren't laughing at you. Right. I mean, the way, I tried to explain the way it came out and the way... You talked about how your aspirations, mm. and then to you, any questions, and we expected people to ask her, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, we had prepped her with some mm-hmm. of the questions. They didn't have to, they didn't ask her any questions because they had to get out of there. Um, but yeah, the way she just kind of, she kind of left that period out. <laughs> you know, she changed, she changed a period into a comma. It it made it sound like I know how to change the world. Any what do you want to know about it? Well, and, and what you could point out, I mean, it's, it's it's probably too far gone. But what you could point out is the fact that they were listening. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were laughing because they were listening. They they, yeah. they were paying attention. If if they weren't paying attention, they wouldn't have laughed. Yeah. So they were definitely interested in what you had to say. She had a pretty good joke in there too. She was talking about like you know failures, her fails. And when she made the cat laser, you remember the cat mm-hmm. laser video where like Dusty like starts batting the mm-hmm. actual laser device. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Yeah, Dusty attacked the robot more than she attacked. Then he attacked the, the laser dot." And that kind of the way she delivered. Yeah, it no, and, and I get it, but it, when you think about that, it's almost like a different kind of success. It, it, mm-hmm. That that's a very science thing, right? You 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 plan something out. Mm-hmm. 
you have this idea in your head. You have this hypothesis. Well, the cat's going to go after the laser. And the cat at first went after the laser, but everyone's like, wait a minute. And so, like, the the you learned something from the fact that your hypothesis was, if not totally incorrect, but at least incomplete. Yeah, I didn't coach her on how to deliver that joke at all, yeah. and it really landed well. I was, <laughs> it was, it was really cool. So, she had that talk. It was only five minutes. No one else was under fifteen. Mm-hmm. She was kind of bummed that she didn't like. I knew we had an opportunity to have powerpoints and slides and stuff, but I'm like, it's ten. It says ten minutes right there. Right. So I'm going to follow the rules. <laughs> and, and, then, and and if you didn't, then you would probably wouldn't have gotten a chance to to probably wouldn't have a chance to well wouldn't have a chance to talk to the big crowd. Yeah, because I mean, there was people there was there for the whole day, but it was just twenty people as right. opposed to sixty people or seventy people. Um, so she got to do her quick talk with no slides. Um, her Twitter blew the fuck up afterwards, like. Probably a total of like seventy different retweets and likes and notifications and things like that. <laughs> and gave the phone to her. And she's like, I don't even know what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that had to make her happy. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it was a pretty good week. And then Monday, she's doing a smaller thing. There's a there's a place over in Warrendale called Steam Studio. They have the A in their name, but uh, and they're kind of doing a grand opening for their new location. And uh, so Allie's gonna present the battle bots and stuff there. Cool, like a little. She 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 loves exhibiting. And, oh, I don't blame and, her. And there there's no maker there's no Pittsburgh Maker Fair this year. Oh, but I mean you know me. I mean I I love to to, to talk about shit that I've that I've learned. It's not yeah. because oh I think I'm smart. It's more because look at this shit. I love it. Yeah. Don't you love it? Yeah, but there's no Pittsburgh Maker Fair this year. The Children's Museum is not hosting it. Uh, Hack Pittsburgh can't come up with like the licensing fee for make. I, I it's funny because I felt bad around Monday because Shane kept asking me like science questions and I was like tired and I was like it wasn't like I <laughs> I, I I never got to the point where I was like oh I I'm not I'm done it was just like you were asking me these questions and boy there's so much to talk about and I don't know where because I've, I've talked about all this stuff. And you've you've absorbed it, and like Shane was really interested in mm-hmm. it. And I even told him that Shane is somewhat responsible for me going down this path. Uh, so I remember way back uh, when when we were in our early twenties, um, I you know I'd moved here, and Shane was one of the first friends I had in in the city, and uh, Shane was also one of the first people who got me access to like good drugs uh and and we'd we'd get like some mushrooms or something like that which i still think you definitely should try they're amazing <laughs> i don't have time maybe we're around seattle i'll have time because yeah. i don't have kids <laughs> uh, but they're i mean mushrooms are great they're they're just a great drug um but he said he kept saying like he'd see a pattern he'd, he'd look at everything and he'd see a pattern there was a pattern to everything and you know, I poo-pooed it. I was like, you know, well, I mean, you're on a drug. And then later I thought, well, he's on a drug, but the way that the drug works is that it, you know, it sort of brings down some of the filters that you've that you've put up since mm-hmm. you were a kid. But you are seeing uh, an intrinsic pattern uh, that is uh, based on the way that your visual system works. Your visual system is a pattern-seeking system. And so you're you're seeing kind of the, the basics of that pattern seeking, and that's what you're calling the pattern. I still think that's the case. I still think that that's what he's seeing, but that's stuck in the, in the mm-hmm. back of my mind. There's a right. pattern. There's a pattern. There's a pattern. Um, and I pooed it, but later I found out, at least through our best understanding that we d- d- do have, there is a pattern uh, to reality as we understand it, and the standard model describes a particular pattern, uh, a a particular mathematical um, way of. Viewing some the the the, the way the standard for the, the forces that we accept exist and interact with each other there there was a pattern to it there's a mathematical relationship between all of that and I told him you know that is if you want the pattern and I showed him like a, a diagram like this is not the pattern itself but this is a diagram of the pattern there it is if you want to know what that pattern is this is it mm-hmm. uh, and 
you know, that was a cool, like, conceptual moment because it was something like, because Shane was always, he always did this thing like, you keep teaching me and I don't teach you anything. And I was like, A, first of all, with what you told me about global shit that I don't have any understanding about, you're definitely teaching me stuff. But also, you put me down this path right. of, of trying remember, to figure out do stuff. Do you remember the movie Pi? Yes, sure. Black and white movie. Mm-hmm. Guy finds the magical theorem right. yes. to predict yeah. the stock market yep, and everything. Yep. The the name of God, which was yeah, yeah the, the way of understanding. So, you know, I saw that movie when I was six, sixteen, seventeen years old. You know, we were like going to Blockbuster and renting uh-huh. like weird movies, like kind of what you would do at Netflix when Netflix first came out. But before that, and the, you know, for some reason that movie stuck with me. But I haven't seen it in forever. And I was watching Billions this week. And they bring up this whole scene on Pi. Well, the, the, the guy who directed Darren Aronofsky has moved on to do a bunch of different. You know, he did a bunch of stuff. He's still doing okay. stuff. So that was, you know, that was his big. Yeah, it was funny because they were kind of like. It was funny because it wasn't like the 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 um, investors, right? It was the lawyers, from, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it, and. It reminded me of, you know, of this movie that was like a teenage, like, oh my God, that's so deep mm-hmm. thing. And if I saw it today, I probably would, you know, not appreciate it. Oh, the, the, the acting does not hold up. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember like some of it was like, some of the edits were ponderous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ants and the, um, you know, but they were, yeah, it's just, it's like, it was kind of like a world's colliding moment. Like, oh my God, someone else has seen this movie. And now they're like kind of using it as like a, a whole scene in this other show. It does remind me of, because we, we were on the train once and, and, and you know, the train is, is a good uh, hour. So, you know, we got a lot of chance to talk and he was, he, he had a misinterpretation of fractals and I, I had to sort of correct him on, on what fractals actually were. Uh, because he was talking about how oh if you if you go down it, it it I forget exactly what his his misinterpretation was but it was something like if you go down into a fractal it's it's infinite and it goes everywhere and I was like well there's a difference between a there's a difference between infinite and everything we've talked about this before mm-hmm. but infinite is a slice of one particular aspect whereas everything is everything I had a I had a really good talk with. Allison, kind of about big numbers. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, you mentioned a little bit of this before. When we oh, talked actually, about it. it was just this week, actually. You know, like she wanted to know like what a uh, billion trillion billion was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a billion trillion billion. But you know, you can describe that a little bit. You can say how many zeros are in that number, right? You know, and then I, you know, so it, w- it was fun because like I had her. You know, like, okay, look, you can use multiplication to figure out how many zeros, because a billion has nine digits, Mm -hmm. a trillion has 12 digits, so it's nine times 12 times nine. That's how many zeros. So it's like 972 zeros in that thing. And, uh, you know, so it was was a really fun talk, and I think she got some of it, but, you know. It's a hard concept to... To the, the the concept of of, uh, of infinity is such a hard concept to get through because the easiest way to and and Shane had this concept the easiest way to think about it is of everything but that's not infinity infinity is not everything it's all of the things that fit in a, in accordance to a set so an infinite number is on the number line everything on the number line but there's everything that's not on the number line that has nothing to do with that infinity that you're talking about mm-hmm. so. When you're talking about infinity, you're just talking about one one dimension. Everything in that one dimension, and we actually have a physical way of of uh, showing that infinity in in practice, in the sense of of con of of condensates, such as in a superconductor or the Higgs condensate or things like that, where the these things take on all values of of the possible things, so that they become a sink or 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 uh, they come uh, an infinite sink or an infinite source of some particular aspect, but that's it. Not nothing but that particular aspect. So, uh, for for electrons, for example, they get they're constantly experiencing this buzz of dropping and taking the the weak hypercharge from this condensate of Higgs, 
which has this condensative weak hypercharge. And so it can't not move through space without interacting with this buzz of the Higgs field, which is just, it's, it's an infinity, but it's an infinity in one aspect. And the photon, like, ignores it completely. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the fact that it's infinity, the photon just does not interact with it whatsoever. Uh, so explaining that is a part of it. The other thing I brought up was, in terms of fractals, when you dig deep down, what you're doing really is you're just, you're not going into some sort of everything is covered there. You're just looking at this, this continues to, this continues to dig, dig down and down forever. You know, you, you can keep down and it doesn't stop, but that is no different really than pi, where pi you can just keep digging down into, into yeah. the numeric I mean, if you're looking at a fractal, right, you have to, what's the scope, right? Because, if you start getting into subatomic spacing, right, you're going to run out of well. I mean, yeah, space, but yeah. in terms of numbers, there's no yeah, there, there's numbers, no yeah. um, uh, uh, quantization of numbers, right? So that's one of the things I tried to uh, to get Allie to appreciate. I think she missed this one. Yeah, that you can have numbers that represent things. We've, you know, and you know, I like this kind of aspect of number theory, mm-hmm. right? I, I love the idea that we can represent a number that represents a number, a quantity greater than all the stuff that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it's, to me, it's kind of one of the most amazing things of our intelligence. I mean, maybe not amazing is the right word because, I mean, there's more complicated things that I appreciate more. Right. But may, on some level, that we can represent numbers that are greater than there are things. We can set, we, we can represent things that are outside of this set that we've defined. Things that don't fit. Things that have that that include this set plus other things. Mm-hmm. So this set of everything of every number plus some other stuff. Uh, yeah. is is a well it's easy to say like okay so you take that number and add one right yeah you know, i mean that's the simple way to kind of prove right yeah but of... that doesn't that's so it's it's so non-explanatory right it does not explain what we're talking about when infinity it it, it has a it, I, I wasn't even trying to get no to I, infinity, I know i know but... and and i know i understand what you're saying it, it's it's like it's it's so easy to say that and then but but to grasp what is meant uh, when we deal with infinities is such a harder concept to come because you have to say there's in this set I have, I can't tell you, I can't give you a number of how many things are in this set. There is, mm-hmm. you could always add one to a number and it would still be in this set. But regardless, there's this set of everything. Oh, that, that, so here, this is something that could be researchable and found, but I'm, 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 I'm really really curious about is in human intelligence the history of human intelligence kind of the top end of where numbers are um defined or understood right because you can imagine caveman could appreciate numbers up to 30 or something like that right you know and like how like the curve the curve well i could tell you about that curve there's there is the process of subitization, which is where you can immediately, without counting, tell a certain amount of numbers, mm-hmm. the, the, the number of, of certain things. And for humans, that number is four. In, for, across humans, pretty much almost all humans, right. four. And that means if you have five things... If they're arranged in, right, you easily see... If they're arranged in a pattern, you can see five. But if they're in a pattern you're not used to or not in a pattern you have to count them right where if you see four things you can tell it's four things without counting them no matter how they're arranged right it's it's essentially immediate it's it's a it's a like a visual recognition system where there's no instance of you taking stock of what's in there it's just you can immediately identify uh, as quick as your visual system can, that there's right. four objects of that sort. But once it gets past four, there are there are exceptions. There are people who are in three subitization. There are people in five subitization. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure people who have lesser cognitive skills can't recognize all four. Right. Yeah. 
in random distributions of fours, they wouldn't look like fours uh, for standard. And there are people on, on the side where they can go. I, I've I've heard of things up to six in terms of subitization. Yeah. But that's I it. Mean, I mean, I think, you know, you take five cans here and you kind of put them in a strange pattern. You know, that's a W, so that looks like a five. So that's a subitization mm-hmm. thing. But let's find another one that's not a W. Okay, there. That You have to count that. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a kind of a line of three and this offshoot of two, and right, right. It's not what you're used to to seeing. Yeah, uh, and 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 you can show that through through various different tests. This is this is something that's well known. But the, so subitization allows you to count the four, and and we see that in in other creatures. Various creatures have different subitizations. Crows, an example of of, of a creature that has subitization that has that capability, uh, and. It's sort of an inherent counting, and then there's then there's a uh, philosophical counting where you you have to think of numbers in some sort of abstract sense. Mm-hmm. And there are other creatures that are able to do this. Crows is another example of a creature that's able to do this. Um, chimps and uh, I believe dolphins, and uh, even like octopi, octopuses. Did, did you and... see the thing about octopuses being alien life forms? Yes, I did, which was dumb. Okay. Not just dumb, just dumb. Because the, their DNA is the same as ours. That, made that's, the same the, that's, the, that's the thing I was thinking, right? They make this whole argument about how they had kind of rapidly evolved so many skills from Nautilus and whatever, so many features from Nautilus. I'm like, just, just analyze the DNA yeah. and like, how many changes are there? You know, but there are things we can point to in the octopus DNA that's exactly the same as, as our DNA mm-hmm. because they come from a common ancestor. Yeah, there's nothing alien about them. They're just other than the fact that they're very different than us, but uh, because they went along a different a different evolutionary path, it, it is possible they went through an evolutionary sprint. Right. That's that's what the article the article is saying. It's more likely that they came from. Um, transpermia than than having an evolutionary sprint. Right, which is dumb. Um, Just dumb. I I I didn't mean to change the subject, but you reminded me of the octopus thing and I wanted to bring it up. But it it is just dumb. No, octopuses are very much always Earth. They can predict World Cup winners. I mean, they're fucking smart. (laughs) I mean, the, the, the problem with octopuses, really, from our perspective, is that they live too short. They don't live long enough to... And they don't have a social environment. Mm -hmm. If they did, then I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be as successful as humans because they have the ability to to control their arms. They have lots of ability to, to manipulate stuff. If they had a social environment like we did and long enough time to build that up, then I could see them competing with us but as it is, they live one to three years. They just don't have enough time. Oh, really? Yeah. That's short. I didn't know they yeah. were that short. And they have the whole fucking predator camouflage thing. Right. That's I mean, why they're fucking aliens. They, I mean, they are very, like, I mean, they are a, a good... I, I don't know if good is exactly what... But, but a, a decent way of sort of contemplating what another intelligent creature would look like that we might encounter, right? How different would their view on reality be on this stuff? Well, frankly, very different. But, you know, they... And we've seen them build structures. We've seen them solve problems. They're definitely intelligent. Uh, mm-hmm. But they don't have the same... But but they haven't fallen into... I mean, if if... You know, primates, right? Primates just happen to go along this scale where they're intelligent, but also live long. And then that gives us the ability to develop culture. Like, you you abandon all culture. You you throw a human out in the middle of somewhere. A human doesn't automatically, isn't, like, super intelligent and can figure out things. They need the culture behind them to understand all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So they'd be as, as well equipped as any other wild animal in general. Uh, with, with perhaps a bit of 
bit more ability to, to manipulate things, but also less ability to protect themselves from certain things. Yeah. I wonder when... The thing you mentioned, right? You take a modern human with no farming skills, no manufacturing skills, throw them out in the wilderness. Like, you know, that there's been discovery shows about this, right? right. Um, I wonder when... I want to say, like, individual peak human survival was. Like, when was there a humanoid... It had enough personal knowledge and skill. When you say personal well, knowledge, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to disqualify is that we have a safety net of community, right? Not only community, but the fact that we've learned all this stuff. Like there, there's there's a society that teaches us things. But let, let's Walking Dead this shit. You know, the society right. breaks down. Yeah, yeah. You're you have to go find your own food. Right, you don't have claws. You don't have. You're not really all that strong compared to other animals. Uh, you have in the intelligence and and the ability to build things, but you have to understand sharp things are sharp. You have, like we don't. I mean, I'm setting up. A you very... have the ability to use your teeth to grab on things, like say a gorilla might. I mean, there's there's so I'm many. Setting up a very narrow test case here, right? Because I mean, our greatest achievement is achieving through community, right? So, kind of trying to set this... It's sort of like... The it, game I'm trying to set well, is well, kind the, of unfair. Well, think about this. The example would... The, the Another similar example would be take an individual ant or a bee and, and remove it from its colony. Yeah, Not a very dead. successful organism. No. No, you're right. So... that that That's interesting. How... How would you or would not you define us as a superorganism then? Uh, I would say we're strongly superorganistic. We just don't have the altruism that... I mean, there are... There was, we were talking about a couple weeks ago or a month ago how there was ants that are slackers. Yeah. Right? Um, that not every ant or every every mm-hmm. bee is as busy as a right, bee, right? right? Um that there's a lot of slacker ants, right? So so maybe there's not much difference between that and what we have. I mean, there, there's obviously differences, but there are also very, you know, similarities. And, uh, but yeah, th- these are superorganisms. And in the same sense, I believe humanity is one of those. So yeah, I would say that it, we're, we're strongly correlated we, with we that. We definitely achieve more as a community than yeah. we do individually. Yeah. That, that's a no-brainer. I was just curious if there was... If there was something else about a super organism, I mean, like, because in like ants and bees, right? You only have one person who lays eggs, right? Right. Yeah, that's different, but it, that's not a prerequisite for a super organism. So I'm with you. I, I think that humanity is a super organism. How would you argue against it, though? I think there is an argument against sure, it. Sure, there's an argument against it, which is that. Well, you made part of it, which is that we have a unique genetic destiny that's different uh, in, individually from, from from each other. So, um, so there's that. Uh, the other thing is that we do have examples of people surviving on their own, and you know, at least to to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not as if we are absolutely dependent for our very survival. On the organism, so we're not right. like a red blood so, cell from our from our bodies. Right. So we can achieve more as a community, but an ant can't go solo, right? There's no way an ant can survive on its own, or two ants. Well, I wouldn't say there's no way, but it's very unlikely. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it's also very unlikely a human could survive. But I mean, ants. And bees and stuff, they all evolve from wasps, right? So things can happen, right? I mean, and and if you got a sort of human that turned into something else, well, it would be something else at that point. It wouldn't be human. I think that the the, the human animal, as we know it, is a very social species. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that the human animal, as it exists today, can be not a social species or can survive... Uh, long term as not a social species. 
But I think that there are ways in which it could develop that it is not social. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm, after you said that, I'm thinking that there is a difference between a social species and a superorganism. Sure, and, sure. And, like and and another example I, of a social I, what species. I'm thinking is it would disqualify us as being a superorganism. Well, like meerkats are social species that, that probably wouldn't necessarily survive on their own. They need their social structure right. in order to work. But they, you can take a meerkat away and it would find. Is it the control of genetic destiny that would be a superorganism then? Probably, in the sense that our bodies are superorganisms, right? Our our blood cells can't become individual, at least as far as I know. Uh, they don't have a nucleus, so they can't become individual creatures. Uh, no. excepting for for ridiculous circumstances. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, this is almost like defining a planet, right? Yeah. So now we have multicellular organisms, mm-hmm. and then you have disparate multicellular organisms. And we're not even talking about how there's more uh, atoms in my body that don't have my DNA that do have my DNA. You know, so. Well, none of your atoms are DNA, technically. Oh, well, they're a molecule, or, yeah, cells. Cells, yes. But yeah, I mean, so you have this whole symbiotic thing going on. It's just building up of various like levels, yeah. and and the, the 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 way in which we define things is very human, as opposed to being actual like a part of reality. Now we're we're categorizing things, so so I think that the, the problem the, the problem with that is that we're doing this human categorization. Why is you that can't song apply be that. so hard? <laughs> yeah, why? Why? Why is why is trying to fit, fit things into categories when really there are not categories and everything is sort of on a continuum? Why is that so hard? Well, I just explained why. <laughs> Did you see those um, reports about um, Planet Nine or Planet Ten or whatever? Something that's way out. So, that was a while ago that I saw those. Okay. Is there something I new? Saw, I saw them just this week. They're talking about how like certain things are being perturbed that kind of indicate that there's a, a... something way way out oh, there. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's it's massive. But it it has a, a a weird orbit, you know. That's com- super super eccentric. It has and, a comet like orbit, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Super eccentric, uh, ma- massive, like, like way more massive than Pluto, but super eccentric, and we can't like really pinpoint I, I where it they is. Said it was like as massive as Mars, Earth, something. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, it's, which is much more massive than Pluto. Pluto is tiny yeah. compared to like. But Mars you know, Earth. it was this. It's like nine hundred and ten AU. Yeah, which is way too far for us to detect with our current stuff. It doesn't really reflect light. Does it's not really hot compared to the rest of the universe? I mean, the interesting side of it is like how well how much certainty, how many sigma can can scientists? Get? I don't know. I don't know. But but. I'm not asking you the question. I'm mentioning it to the listeners. Like, we can never observe this thing. By never, I mean almost never. Uh, but we can get such a certainty from other observations. Well, it's like all, the Oort cloud. correlate. It's like the Oort cloud itself, right? The Oort cloud is something that we have never observed. But it makes sense, based on our math, that this is where comets come from. There's this big cloud of just stuff. And cloud is... The problem with cloud is that it gives this idea of of a con, of a condensation of things. It means it's very close together, but really, it's it's stuff that's yeah. uh, you know millions upon millions of miles apart. But it's and we can't prove it, but it seems likely that I, there I are didn't, objects. I didn't know it wasn't proven that there was. Yeah, the Oort cloud is not proven. The Oort cloud is okay. is still purely mathematical, but it makes sense based on what we've seen. I think the most crazy thing is when you see these stories about oh, there might be a brown dwarf out there that we can't see. Oh, Nemesis. Oh, well, not necessarily Nemesis. I mean, I heard about Nemesis. Yeah, yeah. Nemesis is a fun thing. Um, I I don't know if all potential brown dwarfs out in the Oort cloud that we can't tell are there are Nemesis or if there's other theories as well. I don't think Nemesis has much 
The most interesting evidence thing. behind it, but the idea of a ninth planet seems to have at least some bit of, okay. but still not like five. Not so. Um, so Nemesis. I think the main theory about Nemesis is that if you look at the cadence of mass extinctions on Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. They kind of say that it correlates with like this orbit of Nemesis, which is a problem because when you look into it, our cadence of mass extinctions on Earth that we're talking about is again a categorization issue. Where we're we're categorizing things in a particular way that doesn't really fit. If you look at the way that, if you if you look at a more a, a more accepted version of of the way that things happen, there, there's there's less periodicity than than is implied. I, I heard a thing. I gotta go to the bathroom again, so I think we should. I got uh, one more thing. Can okay, hold, yes. can for one yes, more thing. Yes, I can. Uh, on NPR this week, they're talking about. Um, the uh, asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, uh-huh. the Godel or whatever it's called, um, right? And they did talked about the carbon increase in fish scales or something like that. But they talked about how the temperature rose about eight degrees Celsius, but it took like over a decade. It took like twenty, thirty, forty years mm-hmm. for that to rise, and how long it take took to go back down. And actually, you think an asteroid would cause this like massive impact right away, but it took this long period of time. And it's kind of on a very similar scale and rate of man-made carbon, like mm-hmm. global warming. So they're talking about using the evidence of the increase and then the super long decrease, like, you know, hundreds or thousands of years for it to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And talking about like how what we're doing... Even if we fix it, it has a super long decay. Unless we figure out some technological way to, to right. fix that. Yeah. But I got to go to the bathroom. Sure. So That's thanks, right. everybody.